You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. From the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Wednesday, February 23rd, 2022. Coming up this hour. President Biden's first round of Russia sanctions hits the markets with a whimper. S&P futures stage a comeback after falling into correction territory. A shift in the pandemic, Apple drops its mask requirement at most retail stores. And Barclays posts its highest annual profit on record. New York State is investing $60 million to beef up cybersecurity. Plus, National Guard troops head to Washington. Washington, D.C. for possible trucker protests. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stashauer in sports. The Yankees announced they will honor one of their former great players, the Islanders, with a win in Seattle. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak on Bloomberg 1130 New York, Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 1061 Boston, Bloomberg 960 San Francisco, Sirius XM 119, and around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. And good morning. I'm Karen Moscow. I'm Nathan Hager. Bloomberg Daybreak brought to you by SEI. Crises bring out the best in people. Character, community, partnership, together as one. SEI. Go to SEIC.com slash IMS. And U.S. futures are bouncing back this morning. 501 on Wall Street. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures up 36 points. Dow futures up 233. And NASDAQ futures up 171. 10-year Treasury down 830 seconds. Yield 1.96%. Yield on the two-year, 1.61%. NYMEX crude oil is down 1.1% on a dollar two at $90.88 a barrel. Nathan. Well, Karen, we begin this morning with the latest developments on Ukraine. President Biden has unveiled sanctions against Russia as Secretary of State Antony Blinken calls off a meeting with Russia's foreign minister. Amy Morris has the latest from our Bloomberg 99.1 newsroom in Washington. The latest sanctions target Russia's sale of sovereign debt abroad and the country's elites in response to what Biden calls the start of Putin's invasion of Ukraine. We have no intention of fighting Russia. We want to send an unmistakable message, though, that the United States, together with our allies, will defend every inch of NATO territory. This, as Secretary Blinken says, his meeting with Sergei Lavrov is canceled because, in his words, doesn't make sense to go forward at this time. Ukraine's foreign minister says their plan is to use every diplomatic tool possible to deter Russia and prevent further escalation. Their plan B, he says, is to fight. In Washington, I'm Amy Morris, Bloomberg Daybreak. Amy, thank you. Reaction pouring in over the conflict with Russia. We spoke with former U.S. Ambassador to Poland, Stephen Mull. He says this first round of sanctions might not be enough to deter a further invasion. I think we're going to be looking at 
over the next days and, and weeks, uh, an incremental move by, by Russia to see how far it can get in meeting the objective that uh, Putin has laid out. I, I don't know that there's any sanction that the U.S. Uh, could impose uh, that would, would stop them from going all the way through with what uh, Putin has clearly said. Former U.S. Ambassador Stephen Mull spoke with our Washington correspondent Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Sound On. Catch the program weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on Bloomberg Radio. Well, these latest developments have the S&P 500 starting the day in correction territory, Karen. The index is down more than 10 percent from its January record. Walter Todd is chief investment officer at Greenwood Capital. I think it's important at times like these for us is just to kind of you know try to step back and look at, you know, try to maybe dig in on some individual names and you know earning stories that we're still getting despite all these headlines kind of whipping things around. And I think, you know, it can present opportunities for companies maybe that have just reported that maybe don't have that much exposure to this situation directly that you know, are getting caught up in this, this macro trade. Walter Todd at Greenwood Capital says the market is still watching the Fed. He expects the central bank to gradually raise rates and then pick up the pace of tightening in the second half of the year. Nathan, we still have a smattering of earnings to talk about this morning. After results from Home Depot yesterday, we get numbers from home improvement retailer Lowe's. We get a preview from Bloomberg's Tom Busby. Lots of caution ahead of Lowe's fourth quarter earnings on worries that revenues at the nation's number two do-it-yourself chain may be impacted by the same higher cost and supply chain problems that weighed on Home Depot's results. One key for investors is whether Lowe's changes the initial upbeat outlook it gave them back in December. Bloomberg Consensus calls for adjusted earnings per share of $1.70, revenues of $20.89 billion, and same-store sales up about 2.2%. Tom Busby, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Tom, thanks. In Europe this morning, shares of Barclays are up nearly 2%. The British bank posted its highest annual profit on record. Barclays dealmakers had a busy end of the year, and that helped offset a slump in trading activity. Turning to the pandemic now, Nathan, we're seeing a shift in retail's approach to COVID. Apple is dropping its mask requirement in most stores across the U.S. We get this story from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. The company announced the changes to employees at eligible stores and has updated its website to reflect which locations are no longer requiring masks. Apple, however, will continue to recommend that customers wear masks and will provide them upon request. Employees say Apple retail workers will still be required to wear masks. Apple locations in New York have made masks optional for customers who are fully vaccinated. The iPhone maker also is ramping up for the return of in-store classes. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Charlie, thanks. It's a different story in Asia when it comes to battling the pandemic. Infections continue to rise in Hong Kong, and that has the city expanding fiscal stimulus measures. We get the latest from Bloomberg Daybreak Asia anchor Brian Curtis. In the annual Hong Kong budget, Financial Secretary Paul Chan said Hong Kong would offer $1,300 payments to residents. The economy expanded 6.4% in 2021, but he forecast that 2022 GDP would fall to a range of 2 to 3.5%. In the meantime, the government has rolled out more details on mass testing residents some three times over the next month. And the leading lawmaker, Michael Tien, says that Hong Kong should impose a strict citywide lockdown for nine days to rein in the outbreak. Teen says a lockdown would be preferable to stringing along drastic social distancing restrictions, restrictions that he says are strangling business. Brian Curtis, Bloomberg Daybreak. 
All right, Brian, thank you. On another note out of Asia this morning, HSBC, Citigroup, and Bank of China say they will close all of their retail branches in Hong Kong temporarily on Saturdays beginning in March. The move comes as Hong Kong scrambles to contain its worst COVID outbreak yet. S&P futures right now up 37 points. Dow futures up 235, and NASDAQ futures are higher by 175 points. The 10-year Treasury is down 830 seconds. The yield 1.96%, and the yield on the two-year 1.61%. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines and the check of sports. This is Bloomberg. And it's now 5.07 on Wall Street. We're at 58 degrees in Central Park. Route 20 is closed between 18th and 20th Avenues in Patterson. We'll tell you why in traffic just ahead. First, Michael Barr is here with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. Tensions between Russia and the West have led New York State to tackle cybersecurity. Governor Kathy Hochul says a joint security operations center will open in Brooklyn to help combat cyber attacks in the state. Hochul said the state would set aside almost $62 million in the 2023 state budget for stronger cybersecurity measures. We truly live in a digital world. You think about all your transactions, you know, how you access money, how you pay your bills, how you make purchases in medical records, even our power grids, uh, NIPA, our transportation systems, the MTA. Uh, they're all vulnerable to cyber attack if we don't take precautionary measures. Governor Hochul was joined by several mayors to announce the Joint Security Operations Center, which will be the first of its kind in the nation, including New York Mayor Eric Adams. I'll never forget sitting down in Gracie Mansion, uh, speaking with the former mayor, uh, talking about the pandemic and other issues that were facing the city, and he was clear. He says, Eric, uh, your real crisis is going to be cybersecurity. Mayor Adams went on to say the difference between a minor cyber attack disruption and a catastrophe can be in a matter of minutes. New York City began its push to remove subway riders using the transit system for shelter. It's part of a strategy to reduce crime and restore confidence in subways. NYPD Transit Chief Jason Wilcox said during MTA committee hearings yesterday, the departments of homeless services and of health and mental hygiene have gone out to talk with riders who lack housing and help them find shelter. Former President Trump has run out of appeals to keep the January 6th committee from seeing his White House records. The Supreme Court denied Trump's attempt to shield several hundred pages of records. New York is paving the way for hemp farmers to get a head start on growing marijuana for legal sales that are expected to begin next year. Governor Kathy Hochul signed legislation that lets hemp farmers apply for two-year licenses to grow pot. Licensees can start planting this spring. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Nathan. Okay, Michael, thank you. Coming up to 510 on Wall Street, time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Good morning, John Stanshower. Good morning, Nathan. 1993, the Yankees traded Roberto Kelly to Cincinnati for Paul O'Neill. Swap of outfielders turned out to be a great Yankee trade. O'Neill a mainstay on four world championship teams. George Steinbrenner called him a warrior. Since retirement, many years in the Yankee broadcast booth, the team announced that on August 21st, number 21, will have his number retired. O'Neill called it his greatest honor. Meanwhile, if and when the lockout ends, the Yankees might be in pursuit of a big free agent, ESPN reports there is growing belief that Freddie Freeman is not going to re-sign with Atlanta. The Yanks are in pursuit. 
Brian Flores, who in his racial discrimination lawsuit alleged that while coaching the Dolphins, owner Stephen Ross offered him bonus money for each game the team lost, now has made another allegation on HBO's Real Sports. Flores said that after he got fired in Miami, they offered him millions to sign a non-disparagement agreement, and he refused. A $24 million settlement in the gender discrimination lawsuit brought by the U.S. Women's National Soccer Team. 28 plaintiffs, including Carly Lloyd. It is a historical moment. And, you know, just like all the players prior to me, the pioneers who helped make things better for when I came into the game, we're doing the same. And uh, just really proud of the group. I mean, we've, we've started this journey six, seven years ago, and, and it's been long. Going forward, the women will now get the equal pays. The men. The Islanders who began the season with 13 road games, back on the road for five. First off, Seattle. Zach Parisi scored twice. The Isles won five to two. John Stash, our Bloomberg Sports. Thank you, John. Red headline just crossing the Bloomberg terminal. Ukraine seeks to declare a nationwide state of emergency. We'll get the very latest details, all the latest developments on what's happening in Ukraine and the latest sanctions on Russia. Bloomberg's executive editor for international affairs, Rosalind Matheson, joins us next. S&P futures right now up 28 and a half points. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather turning partly sunny and breezy today with highs in the mid-60s. By tomorrow, we'll only be in the upper 30s with a wintry mess expected tomorrow night, turning over into rain on Friday, low 40s. Right now, 58 degrees. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. And European equities are rising along with U.S. stock index futures as investors assess limited initial Western sanctions against Russia amid the Ukraine standoff. And we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures up 30 points this morning. Dow futures up 197. NASDAQ futures up 148. The DAX in Germany is up eight-tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury down 7.30 seconds. Yield 1.96 percent. They yield on the two-year 1.60 percent. NYMEX crude oil is down 1 percent or 84 cents at $91.07 a barrel. COMEX gold down 6 tenths percent or $11.20 at 18.96.20 an ounce. The euro 1.1353 against the dollar. British pound 1.3605. And the yen is at 115.03. Bitcoin this morning moving higher at $38,890. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Karen. Tensions over Russia and Ukraine continue. Russian lawmakers authorized President Vladimir Putin to use military force outside his country. President Joe Biden and European leaders responded by slapping sanctions on Russian oligarchs and banks. Putin has massed 150,000 troops on three sides of Ukraine. Jury deliberations are set to begin today in the case against three former Minneapolis police officers involved in George Floyd's death. They are charged with depriving Floyd of his civil rights by failing to administer aid when Officer Derek Chauvin pressed his knee into Floyd's neck for more than nine minutes. In the NHL, the Islanders won. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. 
All right, Michael, thanks. It's 519 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak as we continue to follow the latest developments around Ukraine. We're joined by Bloomberg's executive editor for international government, Rosalind Matheson. And, Ros, the latest development just crossed as a red headline on the Bloomberg terminal moments ago. Ukraine is seeking to declare a nationwide state of emergency. What do we know so far? Well, that's right. We're just seeing this information come out now. Any state of emergency has to be approved by the parliament, which could possibly happen pretty quickly. Uh, but what it would allow local authorities to do is perhaps restrict movement of people uh, very much closer to eastern Ukraine, for example, uh, restrict mass gatherings that could include protests, put curfews on and just generally manage people a bit more closely in this time of heightened tension with Russia. Of course, it comes after the Russian president recognized those two self-proclaimed separatist republics in eastern Ukraine, and that gives him the right, he says, to send troops into those areas if he decides to do so. Uh, so certainly you can see a, an escalation in that area, and the prospect that Ukrainian troops, individuals, could be getting very close to Russian troops there before too long. Yeah, and this is coming after the Ukrainian president up to now, Volodymyr Zelensky, had been projecting sort of calm, trying to keep tensions tamped down, given that the president of Russia has now recognized these republics and has the authorization to move troops in. Is this uh, idea that a nationwide state of emergency declaration could be a sign that Ukraine thinks uh, th- that uh, tensions could get even worse here? Well, the the top line from the Ukrainian officials is still that they don't think an invasion of their country by Russia is imminent or even likely. They still say they don't think that Russia has the troops in place to do so. It's possibly also about just managing the mood and situation at home and being able to keep people um, from danger uh, directly in those areas by restricting their movements, particularly at night, uh, it may not necessarily suggest that they believe an invasion is likely or imminent, but it's also about just keeping calm at home and getting people to stay in their houses at, at night time in particular. What, if anything, could this say about how Ukraine thinks that Russia will react to this first round of sanctions that was announced yesterday by President Biden, uh, not just the U.S. sanctions, uh, but the penalties that we're seeing come out of Europe as well? The uh, Nord Stream 2 being halted seems like a pretty big deal. That seemed to be the biggest one of all, as you say, was the decision by the German government to stop the certification process for that pipeline, which has been delayed already for quite some time. Uh, But that's a real tangible. The other sanctions were pretty limited. They're on banks and individuals, many of whom are already sanctioned, at least, by the U.S. And so the broader market impact on that was limited. Even efforts to curtail Russia's ability to borrow on the international market uh, is limited. And so you saw markets falling yesterday on that, but then bouncing back pretty much by the afternoon and certainly in the U.S. hours on the view that the fallout from those sanctions will be minimal, at least for now. Of course, all these countries are saying that if there is a full-scale invasion of Ukraine, they will respond with much harsher penalties that could affect the Russian economy. At the same time, we're also hearing from President Putin saying he's still open to diplomatic channels being open here. What are the diplomatic channels, given that we've just heard from the Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, that that planned meeting tomorrow with Russian Foreign Minister Lavrov is off now? 
It's certainly hard to see where those channels are because also, of course, Russia says that it doesn't see the need for a a, a leader summit uh, anytime soon either. And France also called off a planned meeting with the Russian foreign minister in Paris on Friday. So some of those top-level meetings are certainly having the door shut on them. And the question is what's happening behind the scenes. There are a number of countries that do have conduits both into Russia and out. One in particular is Finland, which can carry messages between either side. So even if the top-level public stuff perhaps is closing off, we'd imagine there's still ways to get communications to and from Russia, and it's probably via Finland. All right, so only about 30 seconds left here, Roz. What's the next step you're looking for as uh, this this tit-for-tat apparently continues? Well, so far the Russian president says that even though he has given himself the right to send what he calls peacekeepers into eastern Ukraine, he's not going to do that for now. So we need to watch closely to see if that changes. And at any point there are Russian forces and and tanks rolling into those disputed areas of eastern Ukraine. Also, the joint drills in Belarus are continuing. Do they put a wrap on that at some point and pull those forces back? Those are two things to keep watching for. Thanks for this, Roz. As always, good to get the very latest from you. Rosalind Matheson, our executive editor for international government at Bloomberg News. As we continue to monitor reaction to the latest development uh, from the Ukraine, uh, seeking to declare a nationwide state of emergency following the first round of sanctions imposed by the U.S. against uh, Russian banks and individuals. We'll continue monitoring developments throughout the day here on Bloomberg Radio. Right now, S&P futures are up 34 points. Dow futures Futures up 224 and NASDAQ futures are higher by 162 points. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather, sunny, breezy, mid-60s today. Upper 30s tomorrow with a wintry mess possible tomorrow night, turning over into rain on Friday with highs in the low 40s. Right now, 58 degrees. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991. To Boston. Bloomberg 1061. To San Francisco. Bloomberg 960. To the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. We're just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. We begin with the latest developments on Ukraine. The country plans to declare a nationwide state of emergency as tensions with Russia mount. And President Biden says he is raising the number of military forces in the region. We get the very latest from Bloomberg's Ed Baxter. President Biden says he has no plans to fight Russia militarily in Ukraine, but the red line is at the boundaries of NATO countries. I have authorized additional movements of U.S. forces and equipment already stationed in Europe to strengthen our Baltic allies, Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania. Meanwhile, the first sanctions White House spokeswoman Jen Psaki says are just the first step. They're designed uh, to have a squeezing impact uh, over the course of time, and we have many more escalatory steps that we could take. And they say no future talks with Russia are planned. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ed, thank you. President Biden's first round of sanctions on Russia hit the markets with a whimper. Global stocks are rising this morning after yesterday's slump saw the S&P 500 close in correction territory down 10 percent from its January highs. Still, the next round of sanctions could bite a bit harder. That's according to Saxo Bank Chief Investment Officer Steen Jacobson. 
The next step up from this will be very serious in terms of the issues of debt and the connection inside to, to Russia. As someone who goes to Russia, I know the Russians, uh, uh, of course, live with this, but I also know that the it, business people that I know and talk to in Russia are, are certainly impacted by this and feel this is a constraint on the way they do business. Steen Jacobson at Saxo Bank says the Federal Reserve should still be the primary focus for markets right now. On the earnings front this morning, Nathan, shares of Barclays up more than 2%. The British bank posting its highest annual profit on record. And we're also watching Apple shares in the pre-market. They're higher by nearly 1%, Karen. The iPhone maker dropped its mask requirement for customers at most U.S. retail stores. That follows reduced COVID cases and changes in local mandates. Apple staff will still be required to wear masks. And in Hong Kong, HSBC, Citigroup, and Bank of China say they will temporarily close all of their retail branches on Saturdays beginning in March. The move comes as Hong Kong scrambles to contain its worst outbreak of COVID. And futures this morning are on the rise. S&P futures up 33 points. Dow futures up 219. NASDAQ futures up 155. 10-year Treasury down 830 seconds, yield 1.96%. And a yield on the two-year, 1.60%. The euro, 1.1354 against the dollar. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. All right, Karen, thanks. 533 on Wall Street, 59 degrees in Central Park. Still dealing with an accident investigation on Route 20. It's closed in Patterson. Details coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Nathan. Tensions between Russia and the West over Ukraine have led New York State to tackling cybersecurity. Governor Kathy Hochul says the state will set aside almost $62 million in the 2023 budget for a joint security operations center to help combat cyber attacks in the state. We can no longer act independently, and that is, has been the case where the state of New York has its plan, city of New York has a plan, our mayors, our local governments throughout the state of New York, and that is not sustainable in light of the threats that we're seeing. Governor Hochul says the operations center will open in Brooklyn, New York Mayor Eric Adams. And if we don't get a handle on cybersecurity, Uh, What COVID did to our bodies, cybersecurity is going to disrupt the anatomy of our city and our state. And it's imperative that we take a forefront, forward-thinking view of this. Mayor Adams was joined by other mayors in the state for Governor Hochul's announcement. The Pentagon has approved the deployment of hundreds of unarmed National Guard troops to Washington, D.C. The city is preparing for trucker convoys that are planning protests against pandemic restrictions beginning next week. The Pentagon says the troops will be used to assist with traffic control. Some California truck drivers plan to head to Washington, D.C. This driver says he expects they will gain support along the way. Uh, we expect the, the convoy to grow by the thousands, and I would imagine by the time we get to D.C., there will be tens of thousands of people that are involved in this movement by the time we get there. The convoys follow the recent Canadian truckers' protest of government pandemic restrictions. President Joe Biden is said to have interviewed at least three candidates for his Supreme Court nomination. ABC reports on his short list, Katanji Brown-Jackson, Leandra Kruger, and J. Michelle Childs. Global news 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg Nathan. Thanks, Michael.
535 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Stashauer. All right, Nathan, this is always a slow time on the sports calendar, but usually there is spring training in the anticipation that brings. Instead, we have a lockout. And while the two sides have been meeting, seems each bargaining session does not bring about any real progress. Sometime next week, they need a labor deal or they'll announce the season is not going to start on time. The Yankees did make an announcement, one that a lot of fans have been waiting for. No one has worn number 21 since Paul O'Neill retired in 2001. The Yanks will officially retire it on appropriately August 21st. O'Neill played eight years in the Yankee outfield and became a broadcaster. 23rd number, the Yanks have retired. Islanders starting a five-game road trip. First stop, Seattle. Left block. Mayfield, center point. Wide right on purpose, rebounds to Zekas. He scores! What a beautiful play! Mayfield missing the net wide on purpose so that Sezikis could bang it in from the right of the crease. It's 4-0 New York! This WEPN, Isles won 5-2 to get to the game under 500. The Big East, UConn by two over Villanova, who had beaten the Huskies five straight times. UConn won without its coach. Dan Hurley got ejected in the first half. Conflicting reports on when Ben Simmons will make his Nets debut. Some that it will be soon, and other that it could still be weeks away. Simmons Needs to ramp up, having not played since last May. Reaction from Aaron Rodgers to that cryptic Instagram post where he seemed to talk about his years in Green Bay in the past tense. He said people shouldn't read too much into it, that he was just in a reflective mood after being in a 12-day cleanse. Maybe the biggest question of the NFL offseason, will Rodgers stay with the Packers, get traded, or retire? John Stash Hour, Bloomberg Sports. Long cleanse. Thank you, John. 537 on Wall Street. Time for the Tri-State Business Report with Bloomberg's Ed Corey. Queens has four of the city's top five neighborhoods where home buyers get the most space for their money, according to Easy Street. Ranking first is Briarwood. The median asking price per square foot was $339 last month. The only place outside Queens in the top five was Brooklyn's Brownsville at $348 a square foot. Big cities are beefing up security in response to an uptick in violent crime by hiring police officers. In New York, off-city officers have long stood guard outside private businesses. But after the pandemic hit, spending for the paid detail program shot up to its highest amount in more than a decade. Delta Airlines' rebuilt Terminal C, expected to open this spring, will be defined by six new large-scale, site-specific permanent artworks. That's your Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Ed Corey. Thank you, Ed. It's 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. Let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. Steve Podisk, and on 1010 Wins in New York, we're talking about Goldman Sachs seeking to claw back bonuses for executives who leave the company. I'm John Tucker for KTRH in Houston. I'm reporting that Texas is emerging as solar power's next frontier. I'm Caroline Hepke on Bluebeg DAB Digital Radio in London. We're reporting on Barclays' record annual profit as the bank takes action on former CEO Jeff Staley's share awards due to ongoing probes into his ties to Jeffrey Epstein. I'm Ed Corey on WWJ in Detroit. I'm reporting GM, Ford, and Tesla dropped sharply Tuesday on concerns about Ukraine. And those are some of the stories. Our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. It's 539 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. There's plenty of blame to go around for America's gun violence epidemic. 
But an important development this month looks like a belated victory for accountability. Last week, gunmaker Remington Arms, the manufacturer of the weapon used in the 2012 mass shooting at Sandy Hook Elementary School, agreed to settle a lawsuit brought by the families of nine victims for $73 million. The suit was the first successful legal action of its kind since 2005 when Congress passed a controversial shield law granting gun manufacturers broad immunity from civil liability. For too many years, lobbyists have succeeded in blocking almost all attempts to curb gun violence. Hopefully this breakthrough presages the beginning of a new era. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or O-P-I-N-Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. And you can hear Bloomberg Opinion editorials every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at OPIN Go. S&P futures up 34 points. Dow futures up 220. NASDAQ futures higher by 163 points. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130 weather, partly sunny, breezy, mid-60s today. We'll get only into the upper 30s tomorrow with a wintry mess possible tomorrow night. Rain on Friday with highs in the low 40s. Right now, 59 in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. European equities are rising along with U.S. stock index futures as investors assess limited initial Western sanctions against Russia amid the Ukraine standoff. And we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, S&P futures are up 30 points. Dow futures up 204. NASDAQ futures up 139. The DAX in Germany is up about eight-tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury down 7.30 seconds. Yield 1.96 percent. Yield on the two-year 1.59 percent. NYMEX crude oil is down six-tenths percent or 57 cents at $91.34 a barrel. COMEX gold is down half percent or $10.20 at $18.97.20 an ounce. The euro, 1.1355 against the dollar. British pound, 1.3593. And the yen is at 115.07. Bitcoin this morning moving higher at $38,880. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. Ukraine will seek to impose a nationwide state of emergency over the rising tensions with Russia. It comes after Vladimir Putin moved what he called peacekeeping troops into Ukraine. President Biden has imposed stricter sanctions against Russian banks, business elites, and their families. Senior Biden administration officials say the Transportation Department is awarding about $450 million in grants for port-related projects to bolster capacity and improve the movement of goods. The U.S. economy continues to be affected by congested supply chains. In the NHL, the Islanders won. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Okay, Michael, thank you. We're coming up to 549 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak, and we're joined now by Daniel Morris, Chief Market Strategist at BNP Paribas Asset Management. 
Daniel, it's good to speak with you this morning after the S&P uh, fell into a correction on the president's sanctions announcement this morning, seeing a bounce back. Do you think this market's found bottom or could it have further to fall? Uh, I think it'd be quite uh, brave to to predict what's going to happen in terms of the market reaction, simply because inherently with political events, uh, essentially by definition, they're impossible to predict and, and impossible to time. So we're more in a wait and see mode uh, to the point where we get a bit more clarity about how things are, in a, are going to progress. So to say here that it's necessarily bottom, I think, would uh, would not be prudent. So uh, what range are you looking for uh, for the S&P 500 right now? We don't necessarily have a range of mind, but I think it is worth keeping uh, in mind that when you do have uh, political upsets, uh, you do tend, number one, to get quite uh, quick and quite strong reactions from the markets that at some point do reverse. But it's knowing when that, that reversal point comes, uh, that's the challenge. Uh, but at this point, if you know, if we saw another percentage points down within the, the range of volatility that we have, that certainly would be in line with previous experiences. So are you looking for further volatility based on what's happening right now? That's all about the one thing we can say for sure that we're going to get. Uh, you know, it, I think it is a, a reasonable assumption that it will take a while for this to play out. Uh, and, and with the swings in news and sentiment that we've already had over the last days and weeks, uh, I think we do anticipate that continuing. So volatility is probably the one certainty out of us. Do you think this market volatility is the kind of thing that shakes the Fed from its rate path? I think what's really going to matter more is, you know, to what degree you see the pass-through in, in inflation. And I guess if we look at what's happened with bond yields, either with boon yields or with treasury yields, uh, I think it, it, it hints at why it's not so clear how those markets in particular react to the situation. You know, on one hand, you would anticipate kind of a, a, a flight to safety, uh, this being a risk-off move and a rallying boon yields and treasury yields. But on the other hand, of course, we have to think about the impact on inflation through higher oil prices. So I think that's what they're going to be focusing on uh, to assess how sustained the increase is, you know, if things, of course, ideally are resolved quickly, then you would anticipate uh, oil prices would come back down. But it is going to be that inflation element that's going to really trigger their decisions. What's your expectation on uh, what the Fed's path is at this point? Do you think we could see an aggressive move next month? And what about the rest of the year? We do actually anticipate uh, uh, hikes at most of the meetings for next year, but you know that's uh, in fact what the market has already priced in. But I think do realize that the inflationary pressure is clearly stronger and, and longer than they anticipated. That's going to necessitate a more aggressive response, uh, and I think they're going to be focusing you know primarily on the U.S. labor market uh, and the impact of that on wages and then on inflation more necessarily than what's happening in Europe. Are you looking for a risk of an energy shock given where we are with uh, oil prices right now and that spilling over into equity markets? Um, not necessarily, and I think the, the risk clearly is, is more in Europe than it is going to be in the U.S. So if we are a bit more cautious, it would likely be more in European equities, necessarily on U.S. equities. I mean, certainly you've had a, a big rally in oil prices, but, you know, a, a commensurate increase from here to the point that it would really start to impact growth, you know, always a possibility, but we think that's a fairly low probability scenario at this point. So in our last 30 seconds here, what are, are you looking for any potential contagion risk from uh, sanctions on Russia spilling over into other emerging markets? 
not likely. I mean, so far, you know, the, the sanctions certainly have been quite targeted, and you would anticipate they would, would be targeted in the future. Uh, so I think at this point, you know, there are concerns about emerging markets, say, with U.S. rates rising. Uh, and I think that's going to be the foremost thing in investors' minds as opposed to necessarily a spillover from Russia. Thanks, as always. Good having your thoughts this morning. Daniel Morris, Chief Market Strategist at BNP Paribas Asset Management. Karen. Nathan, it is 5.53 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Law Report. Let's get to the legal stories we're watching this morning from Bloomberg's Joan Doniger. After multiple delays in plans to return to the office, thousands of U.S. Labor Department workers around the country are set to return to their desks next week. Members of Congress are pushing the Labor Department to eliminate a practice that legally pays workers with disabilities less than the minimum wage. And in a blow to restaurant groups, a federal judge in Texas has ruled a Labor Department requirement that pays tipped workers a higher minimum wage for tasks that don't produce tips can be enforced while a suit debating the agency's authority moves ahead. Bloomberg Law. Everything you need, all on one legal research platform, including guidance, analysis, and Bloomberg Market Intelligence. Find out more at BloombergLaw.com. All right, Joan, thank you. Now another legal story brings us to the high-profile death of a major league baseball pitcher. A jury has convicted former L.A. Angels communications director Eric Kay of providing pitcher Tyler Skaggs with drugs that led to his overdose death in 2019. The trial included testimony from five major league players who say they received oxycodone pills from Kay. He now faces a minimum 20-year sentence. For more on the case, Bloomberg's June Grasso speaks to attorney Harry Nelson of Nelson Hardeman. Tell us about what the trial revealed about the culture of drug use in the Los Angeles Angels clubhouse. You know, there was testimony from multiple players, including like Matt Harvey, for example, that they had been using opioid pain pills for years. And it sounded like in most cases, these were players who were playing through injuries and they were actually helped for whatever the short-term need was. It also was clear that there was a, a widespread awareness that Kay was doing this for lots of players and that these players had problems. Tyler Skaggs' stepbrother testified he helped, tried to help Tyler get off of the pill. Skaggs' mother testified that he had tried to quit several times. And so the thing that came across to me out of this trial was that there were no secrets. This was not a surprise. Jeff Kay was not, you know, some evil menace. He was really, you know, embedded into the life of the uh, Angels team, as was the use and the chronic need for pain management that these pills serve. And Kay was also hooked on opioid pain pills and also tried to kick them? Correct, yeah. The sad irony of this case is that Jeff Kay was was also a victim, the only difference being that he didn't stay with his life as Tyler Skaggs did. Is there any indication that this is still going on in clubhouses? Oh, I believe this is still a problem happening throughout baseball and other professional sports. About 15 years ago, 10, 15 years ago, we saw the DEA do an intensive audit of multiple professional teams, baseball teams, football teams, and really cracking down on the doctors who at the time, back then, if we go back to the early 2000s, were supplying players. And so what happened is we essentially took away the legal supply because the doctors were being accused and were afraid of losing their licenses by making pills easily available. And instead, it was replaced largely with a secretive network. And the only difference was that Jeff Kay had the misfortune to get counterfeit pills. And my sense is that on most teams, the illegal 
trafficking that's going on is with pharmaceutical grade oxycodone and other pills. But I, I personally believe, and this is just anecdotal from what I've heard from people associated with various teams and from the calls, occasional calls that I get as a lawyer, is that this is still very much a problem throughout professional sports. And that's Harry Nelson of Nelson Hardiman speaking with Bloomberg's June Grasso. Catch more of that interview plus analysis of the latest legal news by subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast or downloading the show at Bloomberg.com slash podcast. Attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com and on the Bloomberg Terminal at BLawGo. S&P futures are higher this morning, up 29 points. Dow futures up 199 and NASDAQ futures up 134. That's up about 1%. The 10-year Treasury down 7.30 seconds. The yield 1.96%. And the yield on the two-year 1.59%. Still ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak, we have a check on the business headlines and all the news you need to start your day. And this is Bloomberg. Success. It's discipline. It's teamwork. It's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. And it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest growing global wealth management and investment banking firms in the industry. Stiefel. It's where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more.